Hi guys, you know what time it is. It is time for the pop-up podcast. Do you know what the pop-up podcast is? Well, let me tell you, because you're probably hiding under a rock if you don't. I feel like I've made that joke every single time we've had this podcast. I should probably come up with new material every other episode. But with that being said, what the pop-up podcast is, it was a podcast that was started by the co-founders of Pop-Up Commons. How many times can I say pop in one minute? I don't know. But what it is, is we bring entrepreneurs on our show and we talk to them about life, love, and pretty much whatever they want to talk about. And a little advertising. You got to support and you got to promote your business and you got to support local. So the whole entire thing behind this podcast is bringing people together, learning their stories and learning from each other because a lot of us at Pop-Up and the co-founders are new entrepreneurs and then there's a lot of us that you know are still in their 20s and are okay new at life with that being said i'm going to throw this over to camille to introduce our guest on the show and she's going to start talking now okay hi everybody i'm camille Taylor, another co-founder at pop-up commons i'm a program and project manager i am so actually excited for this one because this is more of a guest that gets to talk about like career so if anybody of you guys know or have me on LinkedIn and stuff, I have all these like certifications. They don't mean anything. I work in corporate America. Yes, I do. My 40-hour position, sometimes 80-hour position is corporate America. And so I am excited and delighted to introduce you to an author that also does coaching, right? You also mm-hmm. do coaching. So I'm very excited to know about that. So I will introduce you to Melissa Myers. Well, and I'm, thank you very much for doing this because coming out of corporate America and going into entrepreneurship, it is hard to know where all of your resources are. So that's the one thing that Pop-Up Commons and the community that has emerged around it has been so beneficial. <laughs> and I did a hand slap for the people who are listening <laughs> and can't see us on video right yeah. now. And I say that because... Some of the networking events I've been to are here, but you had asked me, have have you even, Miranda asked, have you even been to our place? And I'm like, I've been here many times, believe it or not, because I come to all the networking events. And so the community here is so important. Um, And when everybody tells you network, 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 well, that's what they're talking about doing is actually showing up and Pop-Up Commons gives you a place to do that. so thank you, because I don't know if I could have done this on my own. Oh, I think you could have. You we would have forced you. Yeah. Yeah. They would have found you and been like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's just it. So I went to my very first networking event, which was the Women's With Voices event. Mm-hmm. And I stood up and introduced myself. And I said, my name is Melissa Myers. I'm, you know, 30 days out of corporate America. And everybody cheered. And I was like, oh, my gosh. She's like, I found my people. Exactly. (laughs) And during that time, I met like four other coaches too. And none of them were doing what I'm doing. And since then, I probably have referred people all over the place. And that's how this whole thing works. Um, So yes, third. now I'm six months out of corporate America. Yay, cheers for that. Um, But like a lot of entrepreneurs, that's where they start. They start in corporate Mm -hmm. America. And, you know, like my story... If you would have asked, Miranda, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Five, six, ten years ago, I'd be like, yo, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to be a CEO of X giant Fortune 500 company. You watch me. I'm going to do it. 
Yeah. But now I'm like, yo, I'm going to be a low-key CEO of a little tiny mom-and-pop <laughs> company, kind of do whatever I want and do what brings me joy and not have to worry about bureaucracy. So, you know what's funny about that is, even though I left corporate America, it was more because what I, now I've reached that point in my life where I'm like, what do I really like to do? Mm-hmm. I, I did climb the corporate ladder. I made it to the C-suite. <clears throat> and did it for about a year and realized that I was unhappy. Not with corporate America so much, but it wasn't fulfilling me in a way that was meaningful. And so what I what I took out of that is what was the meaning I had as I worked my way up. And the meaning I had was when I was mentoring, coaching, and helping other people. So that really was the catalyst for creating Spark My Journey career and life coaching because I wanted to do more of that and less of the other stuff. However, it's I think corporate America is one of those things where when it comes to politics, networking, and things like that, I kind of really was good at it. I liked it. Um, Same. Other way around. I think I was, I liked it because I was good at it, but a lot of other people would struggle with it they do and i love helping them through it Mm -hmm. so that's how coaching came around i think that and then the environment out there there's just a lot of people who are you hit it really early but hitting that point in their lives where they're like i'm not really super satisfied with what i'm doing but i don't know what i want to do next i need some help we get tons of help when you're in high school Mm-hmm. When you're in college, you're constantly taking personality tests and what should you be when you grow up? And then it just stops. And that's where I think a coach can really help. I agree. And, you know, I'm 28. You know, how many times on a podcast do I say my age? Probably a lot. It's usually when Rose is on the <laughs> podcast because it just irks her. Um, <laughs> but I'm 28. And, you know, I had life young. Like, it, that's, I, I've, I've lived so much life that it's ridiculous. There's some people who are on their deathbed that haven't lived life. I've lived life, right? And for me, it's just like, I'm an 80-year-old woman that's, like, ready to retire. <laughs> I want to retire so at 35. True. That's where I'm at. The amount of life I lived, I'm good with it. And then I had a kid. Like, you know, we were kind of talking this before the show. A, a kid was a catalyst for me to realize, like, that ain't for me. That is what pushed me into entrepreneurship was I needed to be this person's that had little fingers, little toes. I needed to be there for that. And for me in corporate America, I would not be able to be the mom that she deserved. And that is what that is what catapulted me into entrepreneurship. I climbed the ladder and the closer I got to the top, the more... I stopped doing what I loved, which I'm like Mm -hmm. you, I love to help people. And it was more about strategic decisions. And honestly, sometimes it was about hurting people. And those kind of decisions or like having to make moves that furthered your career, but didn't further somebody else's. And it Mm -hmm. actually hurts. And I got to the point where I'm like, that ain't me, yo. I want everybody to climb on my back and let's do this together. And I know I sound like a broken record, but... I think it's so important that community over competition is a thing, especially in the entrepreneurship space. But sometimes in corporate America, that's that's not the play. I went to this. um, It was Women's History Month and I went and saw a bunch of the VPs at the time speak. And somebody asked this VP, well, you have kids and 
how do you do it all? You know, and she said, well, first of all, I have a great partner. But she goes, secondly, there, there are trade-offs. Because you can't give 100% to every single thing. If one always has to suffer because mm-hmm. you can only give 80% here, which means another 20% is all that you have to give. So it yes. is a trade-off. The Pepsi CEO woman also talks about that a lot in a lot of her speeches where, yes, she has a great partner, but ultimately she had sacrificed years with her children or she sacrificed this just mm-hmm. to get to that CEO status. And now that she's at that CEO status, now she's questioning and trying to train other women who are climbing the corporate ladder on managing it all because that's where we get burnt out. That's where mental health issues kind of come in. That's where like we're always... Um, what is what do they call it? Burning the midnight oil, oil? whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Owl. <laughs> owl, owl, owl. You know, we're just gonna burn <laughs> owls. Animal <laughs> cruelty is a bad. Look, I'm native Hawaiian. We don't say these types of things. <laughs> well, I don't know. Burning the midnight oil. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. So, like, with your coaching, kind of like how how is how is your coaching style applied when it's um, for career in corporate America? Or those bridging the gap to kind of get out of corporate America and do their own thing, maybe drop that 40-hour position to then go into kind of their own entrepreneurship journey? Well, <clears throat> a couple things. One is most anybody that has approached me for coaching since I started this business has been more um, folks who are either laid off and so they're looking for their next thing, or they are someone who is looking they're they're trying to gain confidence mm-hmm. or you know their imposter syndrome is a big deal so they're working through some sort of internal issue with the work that they're already doing um, i haven't coached anybody other than myself um, about going into entrepreneurship as a choice but what i have done is when people well since we're talking about forgiveness let's talk about that for a second when people get laid off, there you go through a whole mourning process, right? And some of that is reconciling what happened to you to, to get you laid off. Even if you did nothing, why was your name on the list? And trying to forgive those people who had to make the hard decisions, learn from it, and be able to move on. And, and what I found is until people kind of do that process, they actually have a really hard time finding the next role. We spend a lot of time working one-on-one with the person, with the client who is trying to figure out what they want to do next. And I'm not talking about a job title. I'm talking about what's your work environment that you thrive in? What type of boss do you want to have? What type of work do you want to be doing? And then we go retrofit that into jobs that are out there so that by the time you apply, you already know that this job meets those requirements. Mm-hmm. And so and I found that to be a really effective technique because then you're not just sort of casting this wide net and having to like do all that research afterwards to make sure. So I spend a lot of time working with people individually to really now uncover all that stuff that you haven't visited for a while. Maybe you haven't visited it because you've been at this job forever and kids came along and you've just stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you haven't had the luxury or the time to think about it. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So a lot of people who, listeners and viewers, whenever Miranda updates this, I don't know if anybody knew, but I actually went through a layoff in corporate America. Um, I was actually on vacation when I got laid off. How ironic, right? <clears throat> Very ironic. 
<laughs> happens, which was which was weird. And I had already started my entrepreneurship journey. So at that time, I wasn't like, I wasn't 110% like scared because I always knew like, it's okay because I can just do consulting on the side. I've already gotten a couple of clients. That's okay. But it dawned on me because everybody else that had called me that day on my team and everything, they were just like, why are you so like calm? And I'm like, well, I mean, they're laying off everybody. So I mean, if I didn't make the list, I guess I didn't make the list. I really don't care what shape or form. And honestly, oh, well, like, you know, one door closes, another one opens. Um, And they were all just like scurrying. Like it was like, it doesn't feel like that in the moment. Yeah. In the moment. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what am I going to do if it's me? A lot of them were in shock. And then Mm -hmm. like, as far as like forgiveness and touching on our our card, by the way, that's our card that Melissa had pulled today. Um, So if Miranda, you want to read it. Today, I will forgive. Today, I will forgive any past mistakes I have made and love myself unconditionally. Like forgiveness is huge because everyone was reaching out at that point in time and they're like, oh, I can't believe you got laid off. And I'm like, what resources do you need? I was the person like, do you need a referral? Do you need a letter? I'm going to be good. I'm already doing consulting on the side. So it wasn't like it fazed me as much, but I realized a lot of people do carry guilt. Some people were there for over 25 years. Mm -hmm. And that's like a hard thing to like for them to get an, I don't know, understanding of. And for me, it's like, it's a business. Obviously, this happened for a reason. And what they were telling us was not true. And this is now the repercussions of it. But we have to move forward. Um, and a lot of people had a hard time transitioning out of it. So it's good yeah. that you're a resource for people who are going through that. Because I will guarantee you 10 or 15 of those people on my team, they just started submitting stuff on LinkedIn. They had no idea yeah. what they were doing. They were just in like a shock. And the, I'm going to fight or flight whatever response it yeah. was and just submit to 50 billion things. And I'm like, you get, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to be project or program managers? Maybe you want to be something else. And they're like, of course not. I want to keep doing the same thing. Being in corporate America, sometimes you get the mundane tasks over and over again, but you don't really think about what else could I do or what else do I enjoy doing? No, and I think it becomes your identity too. And so the people who are super panicked, sad, mad, all those mourning feelings that you go through when somebody dies, those are the people who have high identity attached to what they do. And so when they get laid off, it's crushing. It's a, and so it's crushing to the point of, now I don't even know what to do. Now the easiest thing to do is to apply for 100,000 jobs on LinkedIn and see what happens. That's actually the one, that's the least effort. Mm-hmm. Um, the harder thing to do is to take a step back and say, what do I really wanna do? What types of companies, and, and, ha- and to actually invest in having somebody help lead you through it. Because um, you don't have to be alone. And I think that's the other thing is you feel so alone when you get laid off. And something that like, I tell people all the time, you know, because I was in rooms where those decisions were being made and things like that, like, sometimes those decisions were not made appropriately. And Mm -hmm. it's nothing personal. Like, it is strictly business. And I call it drinking the Kool-Aid when somebody is at a company and they, I don't know if I can legally say that word that way, but we're going for it. (laughs) But that's what I call it. I call it like drinking the Kool-Aid because those people get so attached to that business. Mm -hmm. And when I see people like that, I ask them this question and watching somebody's face when you ask them this question, like it says it all. I always ask, I'm like, so you run the company, right? 
And they're like, they always like, no, I'm just like an employee. Right. So why do you care that much? Like, why do you care that much? Like, you need to put the correct amount of effort that you're doing your job, that you're making your pay. But at the end of the day, when you're in corporate America and those kind of things, yes, they do care about you to an extent. But at the end of the day, if a layoff happens, if something like that happens, life will go on and they will forget about you. Like, because you are not the CEO of that company, because you are not the person who is making those decisions, because you are not there anymore. So you have to make sure whatever decisions you're making you are making for yourself. You are making for your family. Yeah. And yeah. finding somebody like you that can help somebody guide through that is is incredible. Like even people who are in corporate America right now, I think it's important if they are climbing that ladder that they do talk to somebody like you so that they can get their priorities together and know what that comes with. Yeah. Or the skill set on like how to avoid being laid off. I feel like that's yeah. like a big thing now. Then went through their layoff process. A lot of companies went through layoffs. TD Ameritrade. Yeah, that, that was a big one, right? So a lot of local, like we have a lot of local businesses mm-hmm. that are here that are big heavy hitters. So like, what is your advice for those like trying to make sure to elevate their career, but also kind of like protect their career at the same time? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's literally what the book I'm writing is about. Oh, so perfect. it's <laughs> tell us about the book. So it's called Rising through the ranks entry level to entrepreneur but safeguarding your career so the safeguarding your career part my vision is is that um by the time you finish reading the book you actually have your career plan done so after every chapter there's like self-reflecting questions and you know work for you to do so that you have that as your takeaway after going through it but to me whether it's to get promoted or to safeguard yourself um Well, career development in general is like a four-legged stool. So one leg is going to be your education, right? You know, what's if if you needed it. Mm -hmm. One's your experience. What have you actually done with it? So like one is going to be your, I call it business acumen, business savviness. Mm -hmm. What do you know about the business? And then the last one is like, politics right how well are you at politics and built into that politics is I'm gonna call it the pain in the ass factor so you can have all of the great education the experience and be really super business savvy but if you're a pain in the butt to your manager you're going nowhere right so Mm -hmm. that's like a detractor so to me you have to hit on all of those different things in order to safeguard your career and if you let any of them go you know working hard is just not good enough sometimes you have to actually try to see around the corners of what's going on with the business, continue to add ideas, be seen as somebody um, who can bring solutions. Um, Those are the things that make you not on the list. But if you're someone who's very, um, I'm gonna show up, do my job, and I'm gonna leave, um, and you're not engaging with management, you're not engaging with the people around you, that's probably going to be something that is a detractor. And that will put and land you on the list. 
Yeah, I like that visual about the table because like we all talk about it. I mean, Gallup has it too. You have all these like strength finders and they kind of like do like a geography, like top topiograph, whatever those are, where it kind of like almost looks kind of like a, like a table and they kind of show you where your strengths are, right? But then like when you apply it with yours, you kind of have to balance it all out. You do, <laughs> exactly. And like what happens is, is if somebody's say not very social, mm-hmm. so they're not good at the networking piece, then they're going to overextend overextend one of the other ones, mm-hmm. right? So they're going to overextend working really super hard, mm-hmm. or they're going to overextend like I actually, you know, there's somebody who's not very good socially, so they overextend on degrees. They have like a PhD and no work experience, you know. So it's just kind of like that's why it has to be to balance out. You have to work all the legs. Well, that's why I always tell people because everyone likes to look on my LinkedIn and they're like, oh, I didn't know you had all these certifications. And I'm like, at the end of the day, they mean nothing to me. Like, they don't make me more qualified to do my job. It is a, it's a, it's a business requirement, right? It's a business requirement 99% of the time for me to get this certification. Now, whether or not we actually apply that certification mm-hmm. to a lot of the projects in which I like is agile or waterfile methodology because I'm a PM or program manager, mm-hmm. it's completely up to the project, right? So I could have all agile and never ever really be a certified agile, right? Or I could be waterfall only and only work with, you know, military contracts. So it really just depends. But then to your point again, you have to look at opportunities. So you can't just be in that one niche. You kind of also have to grow a little bit and kind mm-hmm. of extend a little bit further, which is why like, I'm like, yeah, I guess I could take on that project here or there and kind of go above and beyond because that's what they, that's what they like. I mean, your evals all say it too. Like, what did you do that was above and beyond what your job description is, which sometimes is like exceeds expectations or <laughs> doesn't. I don't know. That scale's kind of still bumped to me. But. That scales. <laughs> but I will say that sometimes women in general, we are women or pe- I'm not good, anybody, people of color, anybody who feels like they have to have extra women in general, we have to bring extra clout to the table, right? So now we're going to overextend on education, on certifications. I'm going to prove to you because I know if you just look at me, I'm not walking in the door with the cloud. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I've been, I've been in that environment before. I work remotely. So like if you guys are seeing me on video right now or you're hearing me. Um, I'll just give you one example in corporate America. They've only heard me on conference calls. It wasn't a video. You know, this was like 2018. Okay. Nobody was doing video. We were doing like web conferencing, but we really weren't doing video. So these people had never met me before. Right. Loved all of my work product and everything, my professional emails and everything. But the moment that I actually got into the quarterly business review, review, which is a QBR, they didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. So it was very strange <laughs> for me to walk in and they were like, it's like, oh, hi, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Camille. They're like, you're Camille? I'm like, yeah, hi, how are you guys? <laughs> so it was very strange when you don't have that interaction with them or you're not engaging with them, right? They have their own, like, right. who you are. And so, yeah, I definitely walked in there, my normal happy self, and they were, um, they were taken aback by who I was, actually, from a physical standpoint. And then also the youngest also standing in the room and then making sure I was who I said I was. Almost like an interview for a little bit. I'm like, no, that's me. Yeah, I wrote that email. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to present everything on the slideshow. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that you brought it up because sometimes, yes, we are overcompensating for a lot of things because mm-hmm. we feel as if we haven't been invited to those tables or we're not worthy enough to be at that table mm-hmm. or we're going to get 
judged or sometimes, you know, get those looks like, who are you? And I don't know the exact statistic, but when it comes to males and females, I read somewhere in a book, someplace online, somewhere, someplace, I promise we can find this. With your photographic memory? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just can't tell you the exact numbers. Numbers suck. Um, (laughs) But, you know, women, they want to be like the best at it. Like oh, right. typically yes. speaking, they mm-hmm. they want they want everything to be to perfection. So you'll <clears throat> you'll have a male and like I saw this like when I worked in corporate America and I was doing hiring. You'll have a male candidate that likes barely freaking qualified that walks into this interview and is like, yo, I'm ready to be here. <laughs> Man spreads. It's good time. <laughs> and they'll get the interview and then you have this person that's so decorated female mm-hmm. who doesn't get it and it's because of that lack of confidence because in her head. You know, and sometimes it doesn't matter about gender. The people can be like this in general. 90% of it is confidence. Yeah, what you're referring to, I say all the time. So I always say that, and this isn't bashing on men. Just, you know, hey. This is just bringing awareness. Just a little bit of awareness. But uh, women tend to feel like they need to know, eight. I'm going to use the 80-20 rule. I need to know 80% of this job in order to apply for it. Otherwise, I'm not. Mm-hmm. qualified and men are like well they feel like i can do it so i should be able to do it <laughs> right yeah so it's like two completely different <laughs> mindsets i was 80 20 pareto principle so read that um that's also a great book yes it is a good book it is i always tell people this i said i leveled up in the world when i started i'm gonna say naughty word guys when i started fucking around and finding out <laughs> and what i mean by that i know what you mean by that is like i that's my personality i was literally just talking out. to somebody mm-hmm. about this the other day she's like i just like gotta know all the things i'm like i'm like just fun go do it like yeah. liter- literally looked at her and that's what i said just like you want to do that yes go start doing it and see what happens mm-hmm. and she's like but i gotta make sure i'm like no you don't like do you have kind of the skill set to do you that? Have to yeah, you gotta jump. You gotta mm-hmm. jump off that ledge. Like, fuck around and find out. Okay, I said it I three times. Say, I would say fit though. Figure it the fuck out. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same thing. But it's like we have the skill set to figure it out. We may not have like all of the business acumen right away, right? But we pick it up. Like, or like when I'm training somebody new, they pick it up through osmosis because they're learning because they're mm-hmm. hearing it right they're on conference calls with me and we're actively doing it but like you're more capable of figuring it out and doing it so just go do it <laughs> and there's like not a problem that can't be solved like there's not a problem that can't be fixed yeah sometimes the solution sucks but at the end of the day if you go and try that and you fail failure is just a blessing you know uh, but i think too when it comes to like <laughs> energy we will put our energy into the things that are the easiest for us or that we enjoy, mm-hmm. okay? If I want to write a book about a topic, I'm going to go research that topic because reading other books and researching is fun. Writing's hard, so I don't necessarily want to write it. Um, or vice versa, like I wrote the book and then now I'm interviewing chief HR officers and uh, you know big executives so that I can just make sure that everything I'm saying still resonates but we all will do the easiest thing and a lot of times that's putting off the jump it's putting off the but sometimes you just gotta jump 
and well, I'm I, yeah, that was a good thing. So you mentioned what you like and what you like to do, what you don't like to do. If you don't know what you like to do or what your working genius is, there's a book. It's called The Six Types of Your Working Genius. Everybody has them. They gravitate towards two. That's going to be like your main two. And then your middle are kind of like some that you're okay with. And then your last two are the ones that you avoid. So like mm-hmm. writing for this example that Melissa said, Yes, people will avoid that because that's not really their strength. So how to use that in the work environment to work towards your genius is kind of how that book kind of is scaled to help you in a working environment because people have them, right? Miranda doesn't like to edit sometimes <laughs> and do other things, right? I avoid, like, I, I, it's <laughs> tedious though. Well, yeah. editing is not tedious, not with AI, guys. Delegate. That's to your robot that. friends. Okay? Don't be too. Oh, friends. you know what I should bring? We were talking about the vision board thing. So yeah. I my one word you know like everybody does. Yeah. 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 What is it? It's anchor. Ooh, so I like stay that. anchored. I actually configured chat GPT to be like a one word helper. So it asks you a series of questions and then you answer all the questions and then it gives you the one word. So I answered all the, so I configured it first and and then I had it ask me the questions and I answered them. And then it said, your one word should be anchor and here's why. And I was like, okay, cool. What other words? And so it gave me like a whole bunch of other words and I was like, no, I still like anchor. Like it was right, right off the bat. I need to do that. Yes, yes, use your robot friends. So then I created another one that goes with um, the book. So I call it the um, Spark My Journey Assistant, but I'm configuring it so it asks you like the same questions that are in the book and Mm -hmm. then it can help you like write your career plan. That's so awesome. Chat GPT is fun. It is. I use it for those who haven't because my company uses it a lot. We use a lot of um, Otter AI to record all of our meeting minutes and take our notes and give meeting summaries. Cloud AI, if you are in a tech field and you don't know what the techs are talking about, best AI ever. Um, Definitely use that to elevate, but make it your own um, uh, because sometimes some of those things don't apply. (laughs) That is ridiculous (laughs) because I was reading something just the other day of like, no, that is not what that is meant to say and interpret. We're going to have to take that out. Uh, with that being said, like, okay, guys, you can, like, write a little bit of your own, like, words, and then you can tell it to use your voice. Absolutely. And you should do that. Prime example, if you go on Pop-Up Commons website and you go look at Meet Our, I think it's Founders, founders or, or yeah. whatever it says, Meet the Creators, creators or whatever, yeah. and when you go and look at that, look at Rose's description and look at Camille's description and tell me, tell me what words are the same. And then look at mine. <laughs> because I wrote mine in my voice, but they just used the chat GBT thing. Oh, and it yeah. literally, like, they literally started out the same. Maybe we've changed it since. I don't know. But I don't think we have. Yeah, I don't. Rosa accepted it. She's like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, and like, know that. Like, know what resources that you have out there for you to utilize because it is so important that when you are bad at something or when you know that you suck at, like I suck at executive functioning, everybody knows this, I hired an assistant, I use AI, I don't do it myself, like, Mm -hmm. because it's not what I'm good at, I need to focus on my strengths and I need to compensate in the places where I'm not strong and find people to fill in those gaps. And whether you're an entrepreneur or you're going to corporate America or anything like that, 
yeah, you need to level out the playing field, but you also need to find the things that will make it easier for you. And mm -hmm. utilizing those tools are so important. Like a yeah. book like your writing, like if I knew absolutely nothing about climbing a ladder, getting a book like that would be so beneficial. Like, where were you 20 years ago for me? <laughs> um, when I was eight, you know. I know, that's what I was <laughs> When you were a Girl Scout? Damn straight. Climbing the Girl Scout ladder. <laughs> I, was, I was really high up in the campaign for tobacco-free kids. So, nice. like, I was... I was doing big stuff at a young age, you know. I was trying. I was trying anyway, because that was that was my ticket out of the situation I was in. Was, you know, being successful and getting good grades and and all those things. Like that was my only ticket to somewhere greater. I went to college for metallurgical engineering, just so we're all aware. I'm for what metallurgical engineering? I don't even know what that is. It is the study <laughs> of metals for all intents and purposes so a metallurgical engineer would be the person who looks at steel does like a medical equipment okay. and making sure like the proper metals work with your body right. yeah. go work on a mine and look at the different minerals resources yeah wow yeah that's yeah. i learned something today yeah. yes that is what a metallurgical engineer there you know one of the things about being a metallurgical engineer is you got to know how to weld i know how to weld <laughs> i you know i did that for a little while Memorable properties yes of all the metals yes and, mm -hmm. you look at a lot of really cool stuff like that's what i went to college for i'm like 52 credits shy of having a degree and uh, yeah, now I am a real estate agent and own like three businesses. So, um, <laughs> which more fits my personality, but I really did love what I did. Like I really loved everything metallurgy. The math is what did me in. Oh, so uh, it sucks. Mm -hmm. I'm bad at math. I hate to say it. I hate to say it on, on a podcast, but well, I'm bad at math. When I got my master's degree, um, math was my hardest subjects. Anything, linear programming, anything that had to do with math. I was like, statistics. I was like, I don't like this. But um, I had a question for your demographic. What are you seeing as far as male or female and age-wise, the career in corporate America, like with your coaching? Or it seemed, uh, we were talking about this earlier, um, that I'm attracting women of a certain age, so mm -hmm. I call that anybody over 40, but that's not necessarily by design. Mm -hmm. I think I could work with anyone, honestly, who is wanting to um, work on their career development or their personal development. Um, for me, it's kind of a wide open thing, although I really love that demographic of women of a certain age because those are my people. Um, I think that this is definitely an area that everybody should take time to think about mm -hmm. and not rely on their company to do it for them. Their company is going to have a very singular lens. You know, where do I think you can go from this role mm -hmm. next, if they're even thinking about that at all? Many don't. Um, I think it's magical. Like I went, like I said, I went to lunch with a friend of mine today and she said, oh, I, learned that my boss said, well, this upcoming director position we're creating could be a good fit for you. And I said, how amazing that now you know that you're thinking about you, that there's a plan for you, but that mm -hmm. is rare. Most mm -hmm. everybody, you know, managers aren't hired because they're great people developers. Usually they're hired and promoted because they are good at the job or they have the knowledge. So, um, yeah, I try not to you know, put up too many boundaries around who I can work with because I think anyone can benefit from it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also think, you know, uh, again, 
if you need that kind of help, you know, who better to ask than an expert who's been there? You know, when I don't know something, I go ask the person that, like, drowns themselves in it. Like, mm-hmm. if I want to learn about, like, let's say video games, okay? I'm going to go talk to a 12-year-old boy. Right? <laughs> Chilling in his bedroom. Or my husband. Probably home doing that right now. He's a 55-year-old game head. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. We always call them sub- subject matter experts, right? Mm-hmm. So I live in corporate America all the time. I always tell people I'm never going to be an SME please don't ever think that I am but I will find whoever is and I will make sure to extract all the information out as possible and make it in easy people's terms layman's terms (laughs) yeah but you got to find that person like even you know I'm a real estate agent right with Kelly Realty Mm -hmm. here in Omaha and you know I'm an expert in what I do and exactly how I do it there's not very many real estate agents that do what I do if any and so when people come to me, like, I am the expert in that particular thing. With that being said, it's really hard to get people to trust you unless you have those certificates or unless you have mm-hmm. those things under your belt. And, like, with me, I have a real estate license, y'all. Like, yeah, I, I think writing the book, too, is what's really helpful because then people can see... Um, you know exactly what types of things we could work on together and they can experience it firsthand and I'm spending a lot of time immersed in the topic and a lot of time talking to HR people mm-hmm. about what's happening in their businesses what challenges they're seeing and, and really kind of writing that all yeah, to make sure. a lot of them don't have a succession plan because um, many of them, it's not a top priority. Like they'll do a PIP or they'll do like continuous improvement plans for certain people. But 99% of the time, your director doesn't have a succession plan. The only time that they think of about a succession plan is when they say, hey, by the way, I'm about to retire or I'm going to resign or like I'm going to mm-hmm. go, you know, have some pizza right. products. You know, that's really. That's when they when. go, God, who would Ooh, fit that role? Exactly. <laughs> and then they barely ask the director, then, well, who would you recommend? And then 99% of the time, some of those people that they recommend are just the people that they're constantly seeing over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, like what you said about the tabletop, right? And kind of having all of those, um, those business acumen. Yeah. Not when you have to. Yeah, but correct. Before, you, before need you need it. But <laughs> if you're not, you know, being more social or playing politics, mm-hmm. like we like to say, if you're not doing all those things, you're not, you have no visibility on you. So think about that too. Like when you're up for another or director role or something else happens, right? What made you shine or outshine other people that are already welcome to the table versus you as far as like climbing that ladder and what can you do with the table to increase your skills on, you know, whichever it may be, business acumen, social networking, whatever it may be. Sometimes I think too, it's just planting the seed mm-hmm. and being brave enough to do it. I think the first time that I was promoted into like a director role, um, it was because I planted the seed way early before it was even open with my boss at the time. And then the same thing happened lately when I was promoted into a VP role. It was because I had planted the seed with the outgoing chief that was my aspiration. So sometimes it's as easy as just making sure they know that that's what you want. In mm-hmm. you know, nothing's guaranteed. You know, I was in situations where I was promised some stuff and I didn't get any of it. Mm-hmm. And so like that talk does happen, but also like one instance, like one inside corporate America, one bad instance or one thing that can go wrong. And sometimes it's not even your fault, 
but you are the scapegoat for it. Absolutely. Can completely have your career go crashing down. Mm -hmm. And so talking with somebody like you to be prepared for those things, how to navigate those situations and how to push yourself forward, I think is, is what you're doing is awesome is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. And, And the thing is, you know, for the clients who have come to me in the last several weeks for career help, um, all have landed jobs. So now they're transitioning and I thought, well, you know, they probably won't need me anymore, right? They got their job, they got oh, other things to do. Need you. Not all of them have resigned uh-huh. to talk about now finding their spark in their life. Uh-huh. So what's so interesting is the people who are attracted to me because I said, oh, I help, you know, people find their next best thing or whatever. Um, after working together, they realized there is a place for this in my life. Like I need... How do I find that energy again? How do I find, uh, you know, you you pour so much into your work life that you've lost your identity without it. And so now you have to go find all of that again. And and I'm definitely one of those people that I decided with my last job, I'm going to give everything I have to this job. I'm going to, and it was during COVID, so I could give up friends. That was easy. So (laughs) I'm going to give everything up. And I emerged out of it going, I have to pull all this back up again. Like I have to mm-hmm. redo my network. I have to um, you know, find the things that really make me happy because I had let all of it go to focus on the job. So that whole work-life blend is a hard thing to navigate alone. Yeah. And I think that's a big contender. Entrepreneurs and people climbing the ladder alike, like, you know, I wear the same color every day, guys, for my job. Like, I am committed. I am committed to my business for other reasons. It does bring me lots of joy. I'm lucky in that sense. But, like, you have to remember that because for me, being an entrepreneur, being in the public eye, being part of real estate, you know, being known for the things that I'm known for, like, it is part of my personality. And when you take that all away and somebody asks me, well, what do you like doing? I literally say work. And... I also have found something that I absolutely love to do, and I monetized it. Mm -hmm. I get to do whatever whatever I want on any given Mm -hmm. day of the week, and I get to love what I do. Now, do I miss out on some things that people my age do? But that's also because I'm a mom. Yeah. You know, that's part of my identity, too, and I think people get lost in that sauce, too. Yeah, sure. But I'm also really funny, and I kind of want to be a stand-up comedian. So, like, we're working towards things. We're working towards (laughs) things that are outside of the job, but it's hard, and it's Mm -hmm. hard to find that spark. So that's also awesome that you do that as well. Yeah, which is weird because our previous episode, two, three episodes ago, we talk about the blue flame and igniting kind of that blue flame. So we talked about it with Allison. Yep. And Allison was trying to find out what brought her joy again. Mm-hmm. Because as a mom and having kids and trying to find what her passion was. So saying to everybody out there, find your blue flame. There's a book that she had recommended as well. But also find whatever brings you joy. And try to, try to integrate that into your work and your life, right? So for me... I had been in corporate America. That's all that I had known. I climbed until I couldn't climb anymore, and um, it wasn't fulfilling. Um, Now it's ironic after pop-up and after some grants and some, um, I was a recipient for a lot of things within the community, I realized 
What brings me the most joy is making impact and making connections mm -hmm. and connecting other people to help other people, whether it was with their business plan or whether it was um, with their resume to get that new job. All of those things I liked doing, I knew I could do it, right? It was like, you know you could do it, but then it's a matter of like, okay, I can actually do this for a living. Like I never really thought of it, but having them reach out to you afterwards saying they got the job or thank you so much. And now I know how to update my resume. I know how to scan for bots. I know how to get past the, the AI at first. And then I know how to reel them in with this. Like mm -hmm. the process works, right? And then it's repeated and duplicated and replicated because other people then find success. That brought me more joy than it did reading a P&L statement and making sure that I had a gross profit margin of over 35% for any project that I ran. Yes, great, ooh, woo -hoo, good job. But like, I think it's better about the people that you meet and then mm -hmm. the impact that you make. Yeah. Because they're always gonna come back to you. Like I still have people reach out to me all the time saying like, oh, hey, I made this shift because you know we, we got this job, which really they did the work. Okay, I just made it all nice and pretty. <laughs> so by the way, if you want, need your resume done, you do all the work. I just help you be more confident in being able to apply what you've done for like years maybe of your experience and really land that next job for you that you should be already getting paid or compensated for. Um, but yes, so like along those lines, finding your joy, being able to help other people or realizing what brings you joy actually, because for me, I didn't realize it until I started helping like five or six different people who then all paid me, which was great. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I guess I could do this now. I like doing this, you know? Let's meet up at a coffee shop and let's review these things. Wouldn't have ever done it. And I wouldn't have ever met any of those people if I actually didn't get out there and actually socially network. Like I went yes. to the YP Summit, which was my first client for a resume. I met her there and she was like, maybe a couple months later came back and asked me and then like two months later got the job at a better school like all within like six months so a lot of things can happen just by going to one event and also impact i like you both are talking about that you know i think we forget how easy it is for the things that we do to impact other people like mm -hmm. you were talking about how you're so thankful for coming on the show that you would have never you could have you could have but we're happy to give you that confidence and that imposter syndrome that you were mess like mentioning earlier and you know i make these stupid videos online and i get paid a little bit to do it okay <laughs> it's not much it's like a tank of gas sometimes but <laughs> i sometimes I'm like why the hell am i doing this it makes no sense but then I'll get a message in my inbox and it'll say something along the lines of, I needed to watch this video over and over again <laughs> to remind myself of what I'm going through and that I can get through this. Or I need to watch this video. I needed to watch this video because you inspired me to do X, Y, and Z. And that's what it's about. It is. And so no matter how ridiculous I look on video and how comfortable I was on my kitchen floor, um, saying that I would never sit in that spot ever again, I helped another woman get through life right mm -hmm. and that's what's important every single time i make a dumb video about real estate right i think about okay this is stupid this is dumb like nobody's gonna watch this but then one person responds like oh i didn't know that i could do this and then they get a home like six, you know, yeah. six months later you know i've had clients that needed to wait like a year and a half but all of those things that you do are impactful and when you care about helping people and you lead with your heart, you know, green follows green, people will come and you are able to do the things that you love. So mm -hmm. meeting with people like you who help you find that spark, who help bring that joy, who who help put you where you are meant to be is just great. 
With that being said, we're coming up on time. And do you have any last thoughts or something to close our podcast with? Just to do hard things, you know, and don't try to be perfect at it. I think um, choosing to, you know, of course, I thought just hanging a shingle as a coach, coming out of corporate America, super easy, the lineup. But it's hard, you know, and I've learned so much. And so the impossible is possible. Sometimes you just need a little help. And forgive yourself and others because that's an energy suck to be resentful and revengeful. Yeah, wrath is not a good seven deadly sin, guys. And then, oh, um, for everybody else out there, so when is your book? When is it coming out? When January 17th. Book, book launch, a party, and all that fun Party. Stuff? Um, the Women with Voices Why Summit. I'm kind of hoping to have a little QR code oh, perfect. where people can order it. We'll so, be there. Um, I'll be there. Somebody will be there. You'll be Rosa there. there. <coughs> Rosa will definitely be there. So yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have a table there and be handing out journals to everybody and talking about the book there. So, um, And you're going to have it on like Amazon? Or mm-hmm. yep. You're going to have copies here for people to of purchase? Of course. Okay, <laughs> cool. okay, good. <laughs> we have a little bookshelf. For those of you who don't know, we have a bookshelf inside Pop-Up where you can come and buy local authors' books. So, Yeah, so I'm kind of hoping pre-order in January and then I actually should have the book book. Let's say we got to jump off the ledge. June. okay we're gonna make it happen with that being said thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate you this has been (laughs) one of my favorite conversations i think we've had and something that's a little outside the box that yeah you know we haven't really we've gotten to talk about a lot of stuff that i enjoy talking about well if you ever get a lull in the schedule i'll come back (laughs) yeah Yeah. for sure with that being said thanks for listening y'all